It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Why? Why? If you Why? have T Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the Syracuse football spring practice and the home stretch for the Orange Lacrosse team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse.com, Stephen Bailey. Stephen, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Yeah, anytime, Wes. I really appreciate you having me on. Steven, I want to get you started on this one. We're at that time of the year when spring practice is underway and the spring showcase is just around the corner. I just want to get your general take on what you've been seeing during practice so far and whether Syracuse looks like it's going to take another step forward this year. You know, I think, I think all, all signs, um, you know, point that, that they'll have an opportunity to take another step forward next year. I think the depth at pretty much across the board uh, is the best it's been um, through three-plus years of, of the Dino Babers era. And the schedule is, is clearly as he was most forgiving since joining the ACC in 2013. That, that said, spring has not gone great for Syracuse. There have been a lot of injuries. Um, starting offensive lineman Sam Heckel um, is, is out for the spring. He's having surgery for an undisclosed injury. Uh, fullback Chris Elmore is hurt. Um, Patrick Davis, another offensive lineman, is hurt. Abdul Adams, a running back, is hurt. So there's been a, there's been a, lot, a lot of physical contact this spring and um and it shows it actually seems like the team's gotten more injuries this spring than than last fall so um doesn't look like there's anyone who's ed hendricks to a wide receiver doesn't look like there's anyone who's in danger of missing the fall at this point but you know i'm sure dino babers would prefer to have um his full complement of players scrimmaging and uh, he certainly does not well, you know, one of the healthy players that everyone is looking at right now is quarterback Tommy DeVito. A lot of people over the last four years associate Syracuse with Eric Dungy, and rightfully so, but now he's gone, and DeVito is the presumptive starter. So how has he looked so far? He looked good, you know. Um, <laughs> he's had a, a real makeshift offensive line in front of him since Heckle's gone down. Um, so that's, I think, limited kind of some of what the team can do in team period, but uh, Tommy looks good, you know, from what I understand, you know, he worked really hard this off season and kind of understands how important this juncture is for him and for the program. Um, he's, he's trying to uh, be a little more agile to, to get ready for taking a full, full dose of, uh, of contact through the season, a full year, you know, he's trying to be a little more flexible, a little more ready to evade rushers. Um, so, he, you know, he looks good. He's always been, you know, the, the throwing part has always kind of been a strength for him. It's really going to be, the physical side of it, and, and then experience-wise, experience wise, you know, how does how does he do when defense is showing new things? And 
you really can't learn that until the fall. So, you know, all, all's good with Tommy in the spring. Definitely want to get to the offensive line in a little bit, but let's take a look at the depth behind Tommy DeVito. Chance Amy put his name into the transfer portal, and you have a group of quarterbacks that includes Clayton Welsh, Rex Culpepper transferring from the tight end unit, and then true freshman David Summers. Who do you see out of that group becoming the backup, and is the quarterback depth a cause for concern? Yeah, it's probably going to be Clayton Welch. He's a redshirt senior, um, former Juco guy who came in a couple summers ago. 6'5", <laughs> he's like 240, 245 right now, really big guy. Um, I actually wrote a story on him a couple weeks ago. He he grew up right by Aaron Rodgers in Chico, California. Like He could see Aaron's backyard from his backyard growing up. Um, and then they both went to Butte College. So I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers. He's certainly not, but kind of a fun fact there. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be Clayton. You know, him and Rick will split second-team opportunities this spring, from what I understand. You know, Clayton has looked better. Clayton was the third quarterback all of last year, so, you know, it was kind of effectively his job to, to lose. He was the, the backup on this free spring depth chart. So um, it'll probably be Clayton. I, I do think there is some cause for concern. Uh, he hasn't played any meaningful snaps. And, um, you know, you don't know you don't know what he's going to do when he gets out there. Um, you know, like I said, he's a big guy known as a pocket passer, but he but he can move. Um, and he's, he's actually very difficult to bring down for his size. You know, if you pull up his, his highlight tape, he's, he's pretty good at extending plays and then throwing or in some cases taking off downfield. So um, I, I think it is an, an area of concern for the team. It, it's not number one or number two, but, you know, look, if, Tom, if Tommy DeVito gets hurt, then this football season changes pretty dramatically, I think. Steven, let's finally get to that offensive line now. Syracuse loses three offensive linemen, including both of its starting tackles. But with Ryan Alexander transferring from South Alabama and Aaron Service shifting over from center, that seems to solve some of the depth issues. But every season is a little different, and this unit is just starting to come together for the first time. So how is their spring gone? Yeah, that group is definitely the biggest, the biggest question mark for me on the offense. Um, and, and injuries have really made it hard to get a feel for, you know, what, what they have right now. Um, you know, Aaron Service started the spring working at right tackle, and then Sam Heckel got hurt. Uh, he, was, he was their starting center, so now Service is back at center, and they've got two, two guys working with the first team at tackle who have never played before. Uh, excuse me, Carlos Veterano did play in four games last year in, in redshirt. He played in, in, in all mop-up time, so I'm sure those were valuable reps, but no meaningful Meaningful time. Um, Anthony Red, a true freshman, is actually getting run as the other starting tackle. So I mean, this this guy's right out of high school. I mean, his his friends are still in high school. Um, so he's you know <laughs> he's getting a real crash course with Allen Robinson and Kendall Coleman. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I think there are a couple of young guys that really like Dakota Davis, a redshirt sophomore guard, is an absolute bully. You know, is known as a great run blocker. So I hear Franklin used to tell me that go up against Tim and Stout. And, you know, he, he would drive guys all the way downfield, you know, if, if you really got a hold of them. So, you know, I think it's a wait-and-see uh, type situation with the offensive line with, with Alexander coming in this summer, um, as well as a junior college signee in Darius Tisdale who can play guard or tackle. My best guess is service does kick back out to tackle, like you said. You have him and Alexander there. You have Heckle at center. Evan Adams is, is plugged in at right guard, um, and, and he's, he's looked good. This spring, it seems like he's taken on a bit of a leadership role along with service. And then at left guard, I think you see Dakota Davis. Now, that group may be okay, and there'll be a little bit of a learning curve for a couple guys. But, you know, last year, 
all five of Syracuse's starting offensive linemen stayed healthy. And the odds of that happening two years in a row seem pretty thin to me. So, you know, their, their depth, if their depth is tested, to me, that's where the biggest concern is. Because I don't know if it's Tisdale or Patrick Davis or Veterello, but, you know, when, when they have to dig one more, one more down the line, you know, that's, I think there could be a real weakness exposed up front if that's the case. Steven, we talk a lot about Syracuse on the offensive side of the ball, but let's talk about the defense. And the one group that everyone is concerned about is the linebacker group because last season Syracuse ended up in a lot of two linebacker sets with converted safety, uh, Kalen Whitner and transfer Ryan Guthrie. Both of them are gone now, and I know we saw some of Andrew Armstrong in three linebacker sets, but who do you see emerging to take those starting spots, and is this another area of concern for Syracuse? Well, it's definitely an area for concern. I mean, I think anyone who watched the team throughout last year saw Ryan and Kylan develop as the year went on. I mean, if you, if, you, if you pull up that Clemson game, there were still a lot of mistakes. At the end of the game, Clemson ran counter like six or seven times on that game-winning drive. And, you know, the linebackers were, frankly, just guessing. And, um, you know, as the year went on, they, they certainly got better. And, and not, you know, uh, credit to Ryan Guthrie, especially, I think, second-team All-ACC. I mean, he was a heck of a player by the end of the year. We'll see what the group looks like this year. I think Andrew Armstrong is probably best positioned at this point. Um, you know, Lakeem Williams, a, a senior, uh, Juco addition from last year, is the other first teamer right now. I, I do think we'll see a lot of four-two-five again next year, especially if Trill Williams is in at the nickel. I mean, he's almost as big as a as a strong side linebacker. That's not they'll be okay in the run game there in early down situations if they elect to go that way. Um, but a linebacker, they've got a couple of young guys who are really interesting. A couple of uh, fringe kind of four-star signees and early enrollees and Michael Jones and Lee Koba. Um, you know, they, they're extremely athletic. You know, Dino's kind of made a, a broad comment on the younger linebackers and how athletic they are. You know, they might be able to, to, to – they might make the wrong first step or two, and then, but they'll still be able to recover and make a play. And that athleticism is something they really haven't had in the linebacker room since Dino got here. Uh, now, obviously, you want the guys moving in the right direction to start, and that's you know that's the hard part. Um, so those are a couple guys I'm watching. Juan Wallace, linebacker who played special teams last year, I think is someone to watch. He's a hard hitter. And then the, the really interesting name in the group is, is Tyrell Richards to me. He's a redshirt sophomore, uh, Canadian, came in as a linebacker, moved to defensive end last year, and kind of ended up serving as a versatile third guy down package, a really good pass rusher. I think he had three sacks and 16 tackles and pretty limited snaps. So does he stick at linebacker and get into the rotation? Do, do they move him back to be a pass rusher? I mean, he is he is a freak of an athlete at 6'4", 236. And I, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in, but to me he seems like a guy who could really take on a more significant role next year. Stephen, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, our great friend Stephen Bailey doing a great job of covering Syracuse football over at Syracuse.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Wes. I really appreciate it. Always enjoy speaking with Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse lacrosse's up-and-down season continued last week with the Orange scoring 12 unanswered goals to defeat Hobart 17-5. They now head into a tough matchup against Cornell on Tuesday in their last home game of the season before playing North Carolina later this week. So two pretty big matchups coming up. How do you see these two games playing out? Well, very big week for Syracuse lacrosse after having a week off after dispatching Hobart, as you mentioned, in Geneva last Tuesday. 
And Tuesday in the Dome is Cornell, the uh, second and always a traditional upstate rival, uh, ranked again this year. Really tough test for Syracuse. That being said, Cornell dropped its previous game against Harvard in Ivy League play at home. So they'll be uh, gunning for a victory in the Dome and, of course, beat Syracuse in the playoffs last year in the NCAA tournament in the Dome. So great traditional rivalry between the two teams. I, I really think Syracuse, it's not going to take much. They're going to be up and ready for this game, uh, again, having had a week off. Then finishing up ACC play on Saturday against North Carolina, tough game on the road. And when you look at the ACC standings, one thing's for sure, Virginia has clinched the top spot in the upcoming ACC playoffs 3-0 and and finish against uh, Duke on the road uh, this Saturday when Syracuse plays at North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is 1-1, one and one, so they play, host the Orangemen and then finish up at Notre Dame. And then you have Syracuse, Duke, and Notre Dame all at 1-2. and two. So the exact seedings for the upcoming ACC tur- tournament are still to be determined uh, following the games uh, coming up this weekend, Duke and Virginia, Syracuse and North Carolina, and then Notre Dame finishing up uh, with one last game hosting North Carolina on April 20th. So it's all there in play, Wes, for Syracuse this year. They, they can uh, really have great momentum heading into May. They can you know, move up in the ACC standings for the tournament. They won't be able to likely host the game, uh, you know, even as the number two seed or, or three seed. But the season's still there. And despite what's happened, despite opening with a loss to Colgate, despite dropping an overtime game to Virginia, who's leading the ACC, and despite the road loss at Notre Dame, uh, everything's there to, for the taking for this team for the rest of 2019. Brad, that leads perfectly into my next question, which is that they have been up and down, and you just mentioned some of the inconsistencies, so they can move up. The question for you is, will they? I, I think they will. This team has a lot of talent. And while there's been up and down play from this team, Wes, the fact is there's a lot of talent. I think Drake Porter has been really steady in goal, he, and especially of late uh, in the second half uh, against Notre Dame. They, excuse me, in the, you know, he was sketchy in the first half against Notre Dame and replaced. I thought he stepped back up against Hobart and played extremely well in just limiting them to five goals. The starting to three defensemen are, have been great, uh, despite you know the loss to Colgate, the loss to Virginia, and the loss at Notre Dame, Cunningham, Bomberry and Mellon have been really, really solid. The defensive middies have improved as the season's gone on, as has the offensive midfielders blending in and with the attack. We know this team has a bunch of snipers that can put the ball in the net. So there's a lot of talent. Faceoffs have been inconsistent, been a little bit better of late. But I really think the talent on this team is going to enable them to the Cornell game big. And then, of course, to finish the ACC at 2-2 two and two by winning at North Carolina. And at that point, you have a week off, a tune-up game again on the road against Navy, which should get them in tune for the NCAA tournament. Then the ACC tourney, and as every year has shown so far in ACC play, anybody can beat anybody in any given game. So everything's there for the taking as they approach the, the key month of May. And I think the talent is going to rise to the top as this season progresses. So, Brad, we're almost that championship season, the ACC tournament this month, the NCAA tournament next month. Is the Syracuse team a legitimate NCAA title contender? 
Well, I, I think they have a legitimate shot, and I think maybe they'll luck out this year and get a better matchup than perhaps another year. So by that I mean I, I really expect, expect them to play and win at home to finish the, 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 the home portion of the schedule against Cornell in a nip-and-tuck game. On the road against Carolina, eking that out, maybe even in overtime. Winning at Navy winning one game in the ACC tournament, then perhaps dropping the championship game on the road, uh, and then going into the NCAA tournament, maybe getting a home game is one of the top eight seeds. That's, you know, with so many other games left to be played. And depending on that matchup in that key quarterfinal round, can they get over that hump to get back to the final four and, you know, hopefully a matchup or two this year. Maybe the ball will bounce their way as this team progresses again, as, as the season winds down. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, there are going to be a lot of big changes coming up on Irving Avenue, starting in a several weeks as the spring winds down and the summer approaches. And Wes, I'm talking about the renovations to the carrier dome and specifically the first step for the carrier dome roof. Uh, the first processes will be taking place this summer. They have to get all the preparation work done because the Dome is going to close down, as previously announced, on March 1st, 2020. And that mandates a lot of prep work on that site. There'll be huge cranes in the air working on the roof. The pads that have to hold those cranes, the base of those pads, all that preliminary work has to be started this summer. So people walking around the Carrier Dome, going to football games this fall, will notice all of this work going on around the dome, especially around the loading dock area and around the uh, northeast corner towards the quad as preparation begins, counting down to then the complete shutdown of the building on March 1st, 2020. And it's really exciting because this is the beginning of the renovation process for the building, bringing it into the uh, sports and entertainment age of the 2020. Some long overdue renovations to 900 Irving and very glad to see it. And Brad, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse forward O'Shea Brissett, who declared for the NBA draft but did not hire an agent. I definitely think it's smart for Brissett to test the waters, get an evaluation, see where he stands. Best of luck to him, but I really think he'll benefit from another season at Syracuse. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that sometimes it might look like I've suddenly started dancing, but it's just that I walked through a spider web by accident. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.